107.7, 1077thebronc.com, proudly nominated for a 2019 and 2021 National Association of Broadcasters Marconi Award for College Radio Station of the Year, and broadcasting live from the Bronx all-new digital broadcast studios, welcome you to Your Pet Matters with Dr. Michael Tequila. Sit down, grab a blanket, and snuggle up with your furry family, because it's time for Your Pet Matters with Dr. T of Progressive Veterinary Care, where Dr. Michael Tequila will discuss everything you need to know to keep your fuzzy friends happy, healthy, and safe. Your Pet Matters is underwritten by Progressive Veterinary Care, 390 County Road, Route 518, Skillman. For more information online, it's ProgressiveVeterinaryCare.com. Here he is now, only on 107.7 The Bronx. Good morning and welcome to Your Pet Matters. I'm your host, Michael Dr. T. Tikiwa, and I'm going to talk about a mixed mass of things today. Um, I wanted to start off with um, the fact that it's still incredibly hot here in my neck of the woods in Jersey, and unfortunately, we're dealing with some toxic algae blooms. I'm sure everyone's heard about this. In North Carolina, three dogs went swimming. Unfortunately, they drank some of the water and were exposed to the blue-green algae, um, which affected them incredibly quickly within 15 minutes, um, and all three perished as a result of the toxicity. So what are we dealing with here? Well, the cause agent is the bacteria known as cyanobacteria. Um, It's a microscopic bacteria found in freshwater lakes, streams, especially ponds and, you know, water systems. Um, The difficulty is, is that you get these algae blooms based on the heat of the summer. Global warming is contributing to part of this, as well as phosphorus runoff, Um, Lake Erie is having a huge bloom. Um, There'll be a picture on the um, Facebook page for that. And so Ohio researchers are trying to figure out a way to do this. One of the main things is actually decrease the amount of phosphates used in uh, fertilizer um, by the farmers so they don't get a lot of that phosphate runoff can can lead to things. But what happens is you get this blooming algae, you get this foaming blue-green foamy growth that actually washes up onto the shore and as a result the it exposes or makes it more easy for cattle wildlife and our pets to actually come in contact with it the algae itself the the bacteria itself can produce a toxin which is specifically um two types microcystins and anatoxins The microcystins can result in liver damage and failure. Um, In this case of the three dogs, um, there was seizure going on and one exhibited liver failure. Um, And the other is more an anatoxin, is a neurotoxin. So you can see evidence of neurologic signs, um, seizures, increased salivation, um, muscle tremors, paralysis, You can see blue discoloration of the skin or the gums, difficulty breathing, and what happens is as a result of this neurotoxin, the pets succumb to death due to inability to breathe. The microcystins um, that cause the liver failure can, can be exhibited by signs of vomiting, diarrhea, blood in stool or black stool, 
pill, gums. Worst case scenario is they go jaundice, seizures, coma, shock, and death. The real kicker here, the sad kicker here, is that this particular um, these particular toxins, there's really no cure, um, and so a lot of pets are dying. So, so the best thing is avoidance. So if you see ponds, um, there's a pond by my house out in the Sourlands, and and you know I. I've seen tons of dogs swimming in the past, so I think you got to be really careful. They just have to drink a little bit of it. Um, they can ingest the toxins, and it's a little too late. So you have to worry about these ponds of standing water. And it's not necessarily that you see this foaming blue algae on top. You could have a murky water or even standing water that the toxin um, can just like bloom in and, and, and produce. So the best is avoidance. Um, any hunters out there, hunting dogs are incredibly susceptible. Um, and I think that given the weather, a lot of dogs that don't typically drink from sources like this will then go and try to drink from sources like this. Um, even my dog is, is um, she's trying to drink the pool water and so forth when she's out in the backyard uh, moving around. So just be very careful. Um, I had a client who walked their dog along. We have this canal system um, created by Jefferson um, as a means of transport in the past. And so you have this, these river systems with these canals, and you walk along them. It's beautiful to walk along them. Um, she had her dog walking along them, and it was really hot, and it was unusual walking circumstances. They, 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 they say their dog's really lazy, so they push her. And uh, so they pushed her to walk, and she actually drank some of this water, and she was really worried because um, she vomited and so forth. So um, that was Saturday, and I saw her Monday. Um, so the first thing I told her, I said, you know, we're really fortunate in that, you know, this, if this was a toxin, it could have led to a really bad problem back on Saturday. Um, we did blood work and liver values were normal. Kidney values were normal. Neurologically, this dog is fine. Um, I did pick up an incidental, um, elevation in white blood cells. We do have dental disease and, um, ear infection. So we're just treating with antibiotics and see how things are going, but, it's one of those things, you know, it's, it's blue-green algae. I think that it's on the rise. We're, we're, you know, it's not like we typically see cases like this, but we're seeing more and more. So you can thank global warming for that. And um, they're doing their best to decrease the amount of phosphates that spread into the um, system. But this image of Lake Erie, you really need to take a look at it. It's um, aerial image. It's just amazing. You see the swirl of green throughout the lake. Um, bad you know i've spent my childhood swimming in lake erie um and if i was still living up there i'd probably have a dog because the water's the water can get up to like 80 degrees so it's it's phenomenal um, but just be careful out there okay and uh if you have any questions do not hesitate to call your veterinarian um there is a pet poison hotline uh we'll post that um let me see if i can even just grab up that number uh right now that can help you um, the way that system works is um, you call the number Animal Poison Control, 1-888-426-4435, ASPCA, Pet Poison Control. Um, the beauty of this system is you are actually guided to veterinarians who can guide you to the best course of action. So you'll get a case number. There is a fee affiliated with this. I can't remember if it's like $60, $70. Um, 
and you take that case number and they can work with you, they work with your veterinarian. So in a case like this, if we're worried about toxicity, the client can call pet poison, we can call pet poison if the pet arrives. We get a case number, we work with the um, toxicologist, the pet poison control veterinarian, and come up with a great um, system for treatment for your pet. But in this case, this blue-green algae, like I said, there's really no, really no cure. So prevention is the way to go. So just be safe out there. Let's take a short break. When we come back, I'm going to talk about this YouTube video um, and the misinformation that social media provides for all of us. Stay tuned right here on Your Pet Matters. 107.7 on your FM dial, 107.7 thebronc.com. Stay tuned. After these wonderful messages, we'll come back and we'll talk about pain and perception. The following is an encore presentation of Your Pet Matters with many new shows to come. Missed an episode? No worries. You can subscribe to a free weekly episode of Your Pet Matters to listen to on your favorite podcasting platform. Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, whatever. Now, here's a replay of Your Pet Matters with Dr. Michael Takiwa. We're back with Your Pet Matters with Dr. T of Progressive Veterinary Care. Discussing everything you need to know to keep your furry friends happy, healthy, and safe. Only on 1077 The Bronx. Welcome back. If you're just joining us, I was talking about the blue-green algae toxicity. Um, and now I'd like to just kind of shift gears. And I call this segment WTF, question mark, question mark, question mark. Um, it has to do with the, the power of social media in spreading improper misinformation to pet parents. I wanted to talk to you about um, something that kind of shocked me um, on two levels. Uh, I'm uh, I'm a little too much involved with YouTube. I find myself just looking. Um, it's mostly to see what the content is out there for veterinary medicine and to see what avenues we have. I also then get distracted, as we all do on YouTube, and I go and follow some of my heroes. I have some heroes that are in um, photography. I have some heroes that are into you know, just skateboarding things, motorcycles, whatever, you know, DIY, whatever. And um, through the rustling through the DIY list, I came across this individual. I'm not even going to name this person because I just blows my mind that this person is not medically trained both in human or pet medicine that I can determine. Um, they created a video about how they cured any urine crystals in their cat naturally. Um, and the first thing I look at is how many people have viewed this. Um, the video is about a few years old, but it looked like about 13,000 YouTube viewers viewed this. And it's not a lot in the terms of YouTube users, but to me it's 13,000 people getting misinformation. Um, what blew my mind was this person was talking about their cat that for some period of time, the cat didn't live with them. They had a friend take care of the cat and they weren't sure what the friend was feeding the cat or anything about the cat. And I guess, you know, I understand that you might need a friend to take care of your pet short term or if you have things like you're moving out of country and you need, um, there's some quarantine uh, purposes or whatever, whatever you need or you have to go somewhere. I think there is an exchange there, but 
it, it definitely sounded like this person just had someone take care of their cat. And they didn't know what was going on, but the cat ended up curving crystals and they, they did something. It, it, I guess what I'm trying to say is that there's a lot of misinformation out there. And it really scared me to show that someone without any proper credentials, without any valid research, was telling you something and calling everything else fake. Sound familiar? Um, along those lines, I was searching and I came across a veterinarian. And unfortunately, in any profession, there are professionals out there who get an idea um, and start promoting that idea, that product, that substance um, with a lot of uh, not unfounded evidence. Um, I think that as you can understand with the scare of a lot of these exotic foods with the link to cardiac disease in dogs, it's, it's really important. I mean, these, these manufacturers had good will. They had good will and intent in what's going on and yet that is leading to something else. Um, and so we can take it along those lines. We can say that this medical, this veterinary professional has good will along, but it's always prefaced by, this is what I think works. This is what I feel works. It's never, it's never, this is what works and it has been proven to work in a case study done by peer review, in a peer reviewed journal done through the proper scientific method of so many pets underwent this study and found that this drug, this food, this modality of healing mechanism actually worked and there's valid scientific evidence for that. Anyone can say on this tube, and I could even say, listen, I, I believe that ice cubes cure cancer. And I could sit there and I could probably come up with some bizarre way of showing that this works, um, but there really is no uh, validity to that. So you have to be careful. And, and so I was watching a lot of these videos by this individual and it, it, it turned out that this is what I do. And then the, along the lines of that cat lady, they would say, well, I found something that works for pet skin and now I'm trying it on myself. And now this is my remedy for skin issues. And by the way, buy my book. And so I think that that is, when it came down to, by the way, buy my book, I think it's, it's definitively that what is the motive of this individual? So please be careful. I mean, I'm, you know, it may be that 20 years from now, some of these ideas actually turn out to be fruitful. And I'm not gonna say that doesn't quite happen, but 90% of, these types of visions and, and talk aren't really valid or, or, or linked with valid um, sources. And I think now more than ever, it's really important to, to follow science, scientific fact. I think it's very important because as you know, anyone can say anything on these types of stations, to, um, social media, whatever, your opinion can now be broadcast to thousands if not millions of people and your opinion can be completely invalid and can be dangerous um you know some of these products that people recommend it, you know, there's no testing so you have no idea what's going on unlike what some people say the manufacturers or drug company products are really poison or whatever it's there's a lot of scientific evidence that goes through this, and I, and I truly believe that 99.99% of your veterinarians are recommending things that have been proven to be sound, that they believe in, that, you know, there's things that I recommend to my clientele are things that I use on my own pet. So 
you know, a, a common question we get in the exam room is, what would you do if this was your pet? Well, I can tell you what I would do for my pet for a tick and flea. I can tell you what I would do for my pet for heartworm. I can tell you what I would do for my pet for regular blood monitoring, for vaccinations, for everything. Um, and I would tell you why. And I would tell you why I trust ABC sources. Um, so, so along those lines, if there, there's an individual I've been following. I think he's actually phenomenal. He's a, he's a Brit. Um, he has this YouTube station called Our Pets Health. His name is Alex, Dr. Alex Avery. Um, he's very animated. I think he gives a lot of great content. Um, Jason Nicholas is out in uh, Portland. He's a preventive vet. He gets a lot of great um, information. And then within um, the, the, the other realms, I have people like um, Justine Lee, which is vet girl. So for our veterinarians, phenomenal resources. Um, Dr. Andy Rourke, um, the whole crew, uh, out there um, is just phenomenal. Um, Ernie Ward, any, anyone that's giving, you know, that in our profession are validated, are respected, um, have great medical backgrounds and phenomenal clinicians giving really good advice there. So I think um, there's a lot of good resources. Just be careful out there and, and you know, you're gonna get those things. I think that I always joke with my clients that every veterinarian has a different opinion. If I had 10 vets in the room, eight would, eight would say one thing or, or another. And there's a lot of, you know, questions about when should I get my young kitten and, and puppy off of kitten and puppy food. And I think that time varies, you know, but I think things we all agree on are standards of care, um, you know, and, and it's important. I think standards of care came up with, um, there's some TV veterinarians out there that it kind of, I don't say it kind of, it really bothers me. And it really bothers a lot of my peers that um, there's some medical standards of care. And standards of care don't mean you got to pump a lot of money into it. Standards of care are the basic medical protocols that lead to the best care of pets are not being followed. And these individuals are on TV making a lot of dough, um, doing things that blow my mind from a medical standpoint. Um, and that doesn't mean um, that one of my classmates is on TV, Dr. Michelle Oakley, Yukon vet, phenomenal vet, phenomenal lady, um, amazing. So um, you just have to kind of filter your, your resources there. But that was bothering me. Um, I saw that video about this. I'm gonna call her a crazy cat lady. I, I can't see anything else. Yeah, she validated um, her ability to, to give you information by, I, what did she say? I know cats, I know cats really well because I've had like 20 cats in my life. Every weekend, you'll find a project to get involved with. And sometimes it'll include your scaly or furry partner in crime. From Your Pet Matters with Dr. T, it's time for Producer's Pet Project. Your go-to for pet news, recall alerts, adoption services, and overall helpful tips and tricks to keep your best friend happy and healthy. Producer's Pet Project is underwritten in part by Progressive Veterinary Care. Hello everyone, I hope you're enjoying this episode of Your Pet Matters. I'm your producer Wade Buchanan, and today I thought I'd stick with the theme from last week and give you more unique facts about unique animals. And like I've mentioned before, these animals have their own unique quirks and weird behaviors um, that make them especially special, uh, much like humans. So allow me to give you some of those facts. Koala's fingerprints are so close to humans that they could taint crime scenes. Koalas might not seem to have a lot in common with us, 
but if you were to take a closer look at their hands, you'd see that they have fingerprints that are just like humans. In fact, they're so similar when it comes to distinct loops and arches that in Australia, police feared that criminal investigations might have hampered by koala prints. Any koalas who want to commit crimes would be wise to do so wearing gloves. Parrots will self selfishly help each other out. Parrots may be associated with pirates, but it turns out African gray parrots are nothing like the infamous, infamously greedy, treasure-seeking criminals. Instead, researchers have discovered that the colorful birds will voluntarily help out each other obtain food and rewards and perform selfless acts. African gray parrots were motivated to help each other even if the other individual is not their friend, so they behave very pro-socially. Prairie dogs kiss. Prairie dogs are quirky creatures for a number of reasons. They're giant rodents, they dig massive interconnected underground homes, and they kiss. While they're actually touching their front teeth in order to identify each other when they seem to be sweetly sharing a smooch, the BBC explains that scientists believe prairie dogs, quote, kiss and cuddle more when they are being watched by zoo visitors because they, quote, appeared to be enjoying the attention. Ghost crabs growl using their teeth and their stomach. Crabs may be able to intimidate other creatures with their claws, but if that's not enough, ghost crabs will growl at their enemies like a dog. However, unlike our canine friends, crabs make these fearsome noises using teeth located in their stomachs. There are three main teeth, a medial tooth and two lateral teeth that are essentially elongated and hard calcified structures. They are part of the gastric mill apparatus in the stomach where they rub up against each other to grind up food. The mantis shrimp has the world's fastest punch. You might think that boxers have the most impressive jab hooks and uppercuts on the planet, but it's the mantis shrimp that boasts the world's fastest punch. Traveling at about 50 miles per hour, when a shrimp punches, its little fist of fury, which of course isn't a fist at all, is accelerating faster than a 22 caliber bullet. Female lions actually do 90% of the hunting. While male lions attract their fair share of attention thanks to their impressive manes, it's the female lions who do the bulk of the work when it comes to feeding the families. Lionesses, not male lions, do the majority of the hunting for their pride, according to CBS News. Lionesses hunt around 90% of the time while the males protect their pride. Narwhal tusks are actually an inside-out tooth. Narwhals are unlike any other whale because they appear to have a giant tusk, but that's not actually a tusk at all. What you're seeing is a tooth. Harvard University's Martin Noelia told the BBC that the tooth is almost like a piece of skin in the sense that it has all these sensory nerve endings, adding that it's essentially built inside out. The world's oldest known breed of domestic dog dates back to 329 BC. Dogs are well known for being man's best friend and it turns out that a relationship that goes back longer than you might expect. According to the Guinness World Records, the oldest known breed of domestic dog goes all the way back to 329 BC. Saluki dogs were revered in ancient Egypt, being kept as loyal pets and being mummified after death, they know. There are carvings found in Sumer, present-day southern Iraq, which represent a dog closely resembling a Saluki which dates back to 7000 BC. The oldest evidence of domesticated cats dates back 9,500 years. Cats have also been hanging around humans for thousands of years. 
Guinness World Records reports that they have been domesticating cats for 9,500 years. Proof of this came in 2004 when the, quote, bones of a cat were discovered in the Neolithic village of Shiluru Cambos on Cyprus. The position of the cat in the ground was next to the bones of a human, whose similar state of preservation strongly suggests that they were buried together. And puffins use twigs to scratch their bodies. Puffins surely have enough to be proud of with their beautiful beaks, but the seabird also happens to be quite clever. According to a 2019 study published in Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences, Atlantic puffins in both Wales and Iceland were observed, quote, spontaneously using a small wooden stick to scratch their bodies. Indeed, in a video shared by Science, a little puffin can be seen picking up a tiny twig before using it to scratch its itchy spot on its belly. And that is all the time I have for this episode, so tune in next time, where I give you more tips, tricks, and overall just fun facts to keep your furry friends happy, healthy, and safe. Until then, back to Dr. T and Your Pet Matters. I'm your producer, Wade Buchanan, and I will see you all in the next one. Stay safe, everybody. That was today's segment of Producer's Pet Project, your one stop for all things pet news, recall alerts, adoption services, and more. Be sure to tune in next time, and for a more in-depth conversation, listen to Your Pet Matters with Dr. T every Saturday morning at 10 a.m. Producer's Pet Project is underwritten in part by Progressive Veterinary Care, only on 107.7 The Bronx. The following is an encore presentation of Your Pet Matters, with many new shows to come. Missed an episode? No worries. You can subscribe to a free weekly episode of Your Pet Matters to listen to on your favorite podcasting platform. Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, whatever. Now... Here's a replay of Your Pet Matters with Dr. Michael Takiwa. We're back with Your Pet Matters with Dr. T of Progressive Veterinary Care, discussing everything you need to know to keep your furry friends happy, healthy, and safe. Only on 107.7 The Bronx. Welcome back to Your Pet Matters. I'm your host, Michael Dr. T. Takiwa, and I wanted to talk about the perception of pain in pets as seen by pet parents versus what we as veterinarians know to be true. Something happened to me in the clinic today that really, it surprised me. It was um, of three appointments I saw. So let me think, I saw an appointment with two senior pets. I saw an appointment with one, actually they were all senior pets and the big commonality, so none of these clients were related to friends or anything, all these, they were dogs. None of them were um, related or in any way, shape or form, both medically or genetically or anything like that. But the, the thing that blew my mind was um, the first dog, she had, she was in so much pain that her, her knees were so tight that she would not allow me to bend them. She was in that much pain. The second dog was a um, a larger dog, and she showed me hesitation when you part of the physical exam is to see what the mobility of the back legs are, and I typically just gently pull the leg back. Um, let me demonstrate with my hands. So, you're, if this is if these are the back legs, okay, and these are, this is the hip joint here. I'd be pulling the leg back to see 
how much flexibility they have. And a lot of times when I pull the leg back, if there's painful, they'll, they'll, they'll jut it forward like that. So I get a lot of that um, happening. So that was the second one. And the third one was a pet that was um, drinking some standing water in one of the calendars nearby and on physical exam you're you're sitting here doing things and the response again on the on the hind legs usually was uh, was a negative response but but what coincided and correlated with all these three clients was that they did not believe their pets were in pain and it surprised me um, especially the first one I described because simply it's it's clearly obvious, is it not? So that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about pain and perception of pain. And I think that we in the veterinary profession, we find that a lot of you pet parents are just not, I'm not going to say in tune, but aware of the potential sides, signs of pain. Um, so the most, one of the most common pains we deal with, as I described today, is just arthritic pain. Um, inevitably, all of us get some form of arthritis. It's painful joints, there's swelling, there's changes in the bone, there's loss of cartilage, um, and you get pain. And, and as a result, you don't want to move as much. And when you don't move as much, your muscles start to waste a little, which then leads to a decreased structural support and stability of the joint, which then causes more pain and then you don't want to move and then you atrophy your muscles atrophy away or waste away again it's a it's this never-ending cycle of pain so one of the things that we as your life partner in pet health are doing is we're recognizing pain for one thing we're talking about arthritis and we're trying to stop that point in the circle so you've got pain, you don't move, you waste the way, which puts you in more pain, you don't move, you waste the way. So our goal is to stop that pain. Once we stop that pain, then the hope is that you move more, you can build your muscles up, you're not in pain, you move more, you build your muscles up, not pain, build, move more, build your muscles up. Say that fast three times. So that's the goal but but the first key is to get you as pet parents to recognize that your pet's in pain so i i spoke to one of them today and i said i think you're a little too close to the situation you're seeing your pet every day and i think you're missing the subtle changes um and the comeback was well she still jumps up on the bed and i think that that's definitely I believe her. I definitely think the dog's jumping up on the bed, but what I think is happening is it's, it, it was described as a happy time, happy moment type jumping. So I think that a lot of pets, and you experience this when you, when you see your pet chase after something, or it's, whether it's a ball, or in my dog's case, a squirrel, a bird, a mouse, basically anything that moves, boom, she's gone. Um, and it's interesting because She's also exhibiting pain. So she came to me with three toes instead of four. And this wrist is just basically solid. So she's just going out there, she's motoring. 
whoa, 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 chasing that whatever it is because I never get to see it. And then she comes in and she's limping. And sometimes she's actually walking where the, the, this front leg is just not even, she's not even putting weight on it. Um, so the, the, the adrenaline rush supersedes any sign of pain. So inevitably you get that situation, you do something, and then they, I always say, do they pay for it later? And, and the inevitable answer is yes. So I think those moments that that happened are legitimate. I think they're true, but I think it's caused by that adrenaline rush that supersedes the pain. So how do you recognize pain in your pet? Well, I think the number one thing is that they get a little more quiet. They may not eat as much. Um, you have to differentiate the pacing and panting in older pets with anxiety versus pain. A lot of times they can't settle at night and a lot of people think that their pet is actually anxious because they're not selling at night, which could be true and may actually be true, but it's compounded by pain. You can't lie down, can't settle. Um, and it's funny that I always talk about trying to do a pain trial course. And so one of our most common pain management protocols is literally um, NSAIDs or non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, which are basically aspirin. And so we, we do a trial course of aspirin. And I find that pets that are on that trial course of aspirin, if they're in pain, tend not to be in pain. And they act like their younger version of themselves. So they're more active, they're not anxious, they're not panting, they're not pacing, they eat better. They basically just have that, that young feeling. Um, so I think it's great. The caveat I'll throw in there is that it's really important that your pet, when put on aspirin, because it's metabolized by the liver, that there is no concurrent liver issue. And so if your pet does have a liver issue and you want to talk about pain management, there's alternatives. So talk to your veterinarian about that. And if they end up being on pain management constantly, then we want to do a blood panel to make sure there is no potential side effects of liver or kidney function. Um, but I find that, you know, just watch your pet for signs of pain. I think inevitably they just get a little quiet. Um, if a pet is actually, the other thing I get is that clients go, well, they're not saying they're in pain. Listen, if a pet is vocalizing in pain, that's pretty severe pain. And I always tell the story about how I had a client who brought their dog in who got hit by a car. He was walking, he was standing. I did a full physical exam on him. He did not show me major signs of pain and his femur was broken when we did radiographs. So uh, pets can handle a lot more than us. I always say we are the wusses of the, of the living being world. I think pets can handle much more pain than us. And then cats, cats will, will take it to the next level, they'll hide. They, they do not want you to see that they are weak. And there's, there, I remember this video evidence where a cat was acting normally in the room and then when the, when the parents left, they had a monitor on the cat, the cat then showed he or she was limping. And so I think that that is very important, that it's very tough to see pain. I, I talked to pet parents of cats that when they go, oh, he's still jumping up on the refrigerator or whatever, I said, well, how does he miss that jump? Is there a hesitancy? Do they, do they wanna, you know, they're sitting there thinking about, can I make that jump? Or do they wipe out every so often? Um, and so I find that that is a lot of sign that they're, that they're in pain. And with cats, um, when we typically do radiographs because we're looking for something else, a lot of times we actually pick up pretty severe um, arthritis or degenerative joint disease, DJD we call it. Um, so it's one of those things. So cats are really the mystery. So, so look at how they're acting, how they're eating, their mobility. 
Um, one of the number one causes of getting bitten or, um, you know, uh, vocalization, I don't want to say attack, but response to your touch is a pet is in pain. Um, so there's arthritic pain, there is pain from things like pancreatitis, um, dental disease is one of the most painful things. If any of you have ever had a toothache, you know what I mean. Um, ear infections, a lot of pets come in, they're shaking their head and the parents go, oh, they just have a minor ear infection, oh, it's nothing, blah, blah, blah. That is painful. If you've ever had an earache, that is painful. Um, you know, and, and from our spay and neuter standpoint, we do pain management after the spay and neuter. Um, I think they're improving in my area. A lot of the low cost spay and neuters give the pet parent an option for pain management. I don't think it's an option. Um, you know, have your body opened up and see if it's painful to you. So um, it's one of those things. And I think that old school mentality has to go. Um, and along those lines, there's a, there's a surgeon used to work in the area, thank God, they're retired, where they used to say, oh, well, I want them to be in pain post-surgery, they won't move. Well, that, that's completely against the, the, the norm and the standards and the quality of care that we want to do. So, so we as veterinarians, we have to actually assume pain. We're trained better to look for pain, um, and we can offer tons of things for pain. So um, the latest you may hear, I've heard is CBD oil, laser therapy, Aspirin, like I said, there's other drugs. Um, gabapentin that we use a lot for pain management. Um, and for joint pain, you can actually do supplements. Um, like um, I love Dasaquin Advanced. It's got not only the building blocks for cartilage, it's got elements that help with inflammation and pain. Oh, inf inflammation can cause pain. Um, anyone ever have a pimple? Those things hurt before they pop. So a lot of cats that get abscesses from bite wounds and everything, those are incredibly painful. Um, and even when we sedate them, when we lance that abscess and we drain all that wonderful pus out, you can, there's almost an, a, a sense in the body that, that the pain is, is released. Um, I find that any sort of drainage makes them, the pain go away. Had a hematoma that the um, pet parent's trying to manage through drainage. So the second time I drained the hematoma today, um, and it's almost a, a, a not an audible, but a, a physical presence when I drained that fluid out of that ear that the, the dog felt much better. So I think it's important to recognize that pets get pain, for one thing. Recognize the signs of pain and talk to your veterinarian about what you can do about pain. Because um, it's out there, it exists. And if anyone tells you otherwise, then they're a pain in the butt. Thanks for listening. Had a great time. And I hope the weather kind of stays the same for a little bit because usually this fall, the weather starts getting cold and dreary. And, you know, although it's incredibly hot, I do enjoy the fact that I can be outside a lot still and um, do some stuff and have some fun. And, you know, I look forward to a pleasant fall. And remember, everyone, love your pet like they love you unconditionally. Have a great day. That was Your Pet Matters with Dr. T of Progressive Veterinary Care. You can tune in right here every Saturday at 10 a.m. Or to hear more right now, you can go to 1077thebronc.com slash yourpetmatters, where you can download past episodes as podcasts on your favorite platform like Apple, Google, Spotify, and more. Your Pet Matters is underwritten by Progressive Veterinary Care, 390 County Road, Route 518, Skillman. For more information online, it's progressiveveterinarycare.com. We'll see you next time, only on 1077 The Bronx.